Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Emily. And I'm Joan of Hart. And uh, there are some controversies going on today. And the first one we're going to talk, well, actually, neither of them is any strangers to controversy, <laughs> but... Uh, no, not at all. Josh Scott of JHS Pedals is especially... Uh, he finds himself in weird controversies a lot. Some of them, I think, have been more valid than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one right now is the everyone's calling it a scandal. Basically, <laughs> Reverb even called it the his bad monkey scandal. And for those who don't know, the bad monkey was a cheap as hell made in China clone clone um, that's been available for about. Like 19, 19 years, years like yeah it was like 50 bucks cheap cheap pedal yeah it's the kind of pedal you probably until this week could have found in a bargain bin yeah. uh in any guitar shop that sells used gear yes now it is uh causing the internet and buyer frenzy of people trying to obviously get as much money for them as possible like it's a collectible item and it's just like anything josh holds it's like here here's some random object and yeah yeah, just so to back up a second he Mm. featured a bunch of clones on his live youtube show i guess it's live is it always live his youtube show this week and uh was very impressed by the bad monkey employing people to use their ears, not necessarily not necessarily their eyes when uh, buying gear because boy howdy, the bad uh, monkey is one ugly, ugly pedal as were no offense yep. to Digitech, a lot of their pedals back then. Yeah, they they were the ugly duckling. you know you had to you know <laughs> Yeah. So as what happens when Josh Scott features a pedal on his show, Especially a cheap one. Demand started to go through the roof. They used to be $45 on (laughs) Reverb. um, And they've shot up in price to probably over, well over $100. um, Oh, yeah. It's gone gone to like $200. i have even seen someone at like maybe like $500 like at some point. So I don't know if it's changed, but yeah. Reverb posted some uh, recent prices mainly just from March 16th, 175, 190, 155, 150, 225, 140, 199, 189, 125, and 200. Those are the most recent transactions as of recording this on a Thursday. So um, the other thing that was, I thought was adding, I guess, to the fire of the controversy is the fact that uh, Joss then also listed a complete set of 11 early aughts made in China Digitech pedals that could be yours for just a cool (laughs) $55,000. To be clear, that's obviously a joke. He did the same thing with a a clone for half a million dollars. It's so trolling, though. It's so trolling. (laughs) Yeah, so... Obviously, people have been saying a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how one could possibly construe uh, it as being a bad thing to highlight pedals. Obviously, if Josh Scott talks about something that's affordable. It's not going to be affordable anymore, and that is kind of a bummer. Um, but like, this isn't market manipulation. This, I am sure he knows what's going to happen, but 
is just kind of a product of his renown in this industry. And uh, you know, you know, if you watch this podcast, listen for a long time, I'm not Josh's like starkest defender, <laughs> but uh, I think I am going to be vaguely defending some supposed villains in this Villainy. episode. Y'all are going to be especially <laughs> mad at my next take. I promise. <laughs> But, like, I just don't think this is market manipulation. He has a show. Like, he's got to create content for it. He's highlighting of pedals that people can buy. And it's really, you know, you, can, you can't, even if he knows it's going to happen, you can't really say it's his fault when prices on these things do go up. And, you know, it's a shame if you couldn't find out from someone else that these were great pedals that are very similar sounding to many hundred dollar clans. I, I think, frankly, primarily, the blame is in the sellers and a little bit the buyers. Like, if you're going yeah. to spend, if you're, you're buying two, it, it's your fault. Yes, <laughs> if you're spending two hundred dollars for a clone, yeah. clone, like there are other options. There's like, let's see how much my yes. little clony costs. <laughs> there are now. other options for sure, and it's just you're also buying something that's like almost twenty years old. Not to say that you know, uh, old things aren't better than new things, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> you can get, Oh gosh, I wish this site was loading faster. The, my little clony for $135. And then you're supporting a small business instead of, of just, course. uh, people who are reseller resellers, flippers on, and most uh, possibly the same circuit. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Very similar stuff. Um, and probably going to hold up a little bit better. Obviously, these Digitech pedals have lasted significantly longer than I would have expected them to. Like, oh, yeah. I remember, I remember feeling like they were kind of flimsy. Mm. Um, you know, aesthetically, that line looks a lot like Boss pedals. Yeah. Um, which is, is I, I actually, I really like that form factor a lot. So, like, I get it. But mm. at the same time, um, it's not great. I think Jason Isbell plays one. But his complaint is that it's not true bypass, so it's basically it's all, that's why it's always on is because it's not true bypass. But you could feed it through yeah, an effects true. loop and and turn it on and off that way. Um, yeah, it's it's wild that this is happening. Um, the same thing happened last year with the Digitech DF7. I think it's safe to say that there are some winners among these Digitech pedals, which shouldn't be surprising considering how like renowned a lot of people who worked on these pedals still are in this industry it's just they're i would say it ugly they have this yeah. vibe of being kind of cheap they're not cool until josh scott makes them cool and why is it josh scott's fault that it took him to make it cool you could say the same thing yeah you can say a lot of bad things about josh homie but like the whole like little pv amp thing that he told everyone oh, yes. that was secret sauce in the studio <laughs> yes i remember that and suddenly they became just like oh out my god outrageously expensive uh and people started making like boutique versions of that sound in a box uh acorn amps i think being the most um yes that one. visible one an obvious think- one for that matter yeah. I think that was only like either 200 or 220, you know, comparative to buying the amp itself. You get the same sound for a lot cheaper. Yeah. So people who are buying these, they're really, I just don't think you're buying it for the sound. If you're paying 200 bucks for a Digitech pedal, even if it sounds good, like, like you, you, you're not doing it because it's a budget option. You're doing it because suddenly it's cool. Suddenly 
it's a flex and uh you yeah. have other great clons you can buy out there for significantly less man no i agree and again taking it back to the whole thing that josh not being really responsible for this he states himself to the people complaining that i raised the price on this pedal and now you can't buy one I would like to remind you that you had 19 years, but you never cared. But this also paraphrases, I think, the clone that Bill Finnegan basically has printed on his. Uh, the ridic Kindly remember, the ridiculous hype that offends so many is not of my making. So I found it interesting how it kind of, in, in some kind of way, says about the same thing. <laughs> It's definitely an echo, and I think that yes. Josh, I think that's I have to guess that was probably yeah. a little bit intentional. In intentional. Josh's part. <laughs> Josh is a bigger, uh, for lack of a better phrase, shit poster than most people think that he yes. is. Like he's got, he's definitely got a sense of humor about things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I just gotta remind people as well, like this is guitar pedals, man. This is supposed to be fun. It's yeah. not supposed to be so serious just because you can't no. get the thing that you want. It's not the end of the world. Like no. there again, it's just like there are other options. I'm pretty sure I've said this when Andrew was on the podcast as well, that like, it's just, it's just guitar pedals, man. Yeah, that's, that's really it. And again, uh, a lot of the same circuits are in different pedals. I mean, your option isn't only the one that's being hyped right now. There's other ones that your ears guide you. I mean, not just with someone holding it and telling you this is the best thing since sliced bread. Like... Let your ears guide you. Find your happiness. That's what's important. Yeah, that's why I tell people when they talk about, like, can you trust demos and stuff? I'm like, well, unless there's a lot of post-production on them, do you trust yeah. your own ears? And the thing is, like, I don't think people do. I don't think people do trust their ears to make informed decisions um, because I, I don't think that – I should say I think it takes a long time to kind of learn what you're listening for to train your ears to hear different things and it's an ever learning process um that you know it's a life a lifelong process and what sounds good to your ears changes over time i read a study today for work that talked about how um the older you get on in general the mm. more you prefer to hear like a sound signature in an earbud or earphone that has a stronger high range i'm talking 16 kilohertz kind of stuff between okay. 10 and 16 12 and 16 kilohertz ideally closer to 16 and you know the limit of human hearing is 20 i think it's because as you get older you, you can't hear as high generally yeah. speaking so you need a bump up there as well um but like yeah sound is ever changing to our own perceptions and also nobody's gonna know if you spent like by listening if you spent 500 bucks on a clone or 135 bucks on a my little clony yeah i really don't think so if it sounds good in the mix i mean it's going to be blended in with different instruments no one's going to literally listen and go yeah that's x pedal they're going to like oh yeah this song sounds great like it's really not in that kind of hyper focused yeah. detail mm -hmm. i mean yeah some sometimes you probably listen to stuff and you're like i don't like that tone and you have like <laughs> reasons but you you're probably not Unless it's something very obvious, mm. uh, you're probably not super duper able to guess what, what a specific that? pedal is. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like, oh, it's a delay pedal. It's like this kind of delay. It could be one of these yeah. five options. The idea that you can go in and be like, that is definitely, that is definitely a bad monkey. No, yeah, absolutely not. 
No, I don't think so. And again, like when you're thinking about comparative videos, sometimes if you want to talk about post-production and combining, you know, comparing old with new, the only thing I could see when I was watching, you know, obviously the comparison in the clips that I watched, I would say that the bad monkey either was volume wise or something was just slightly a tad volume louder than whatever it was compared to. Obviously it's the focus of you know, uh, the video, but that was the only thing I really noticed, uh, the two, if it was at play, but I mean, again, use your ear, let that really be your guide. And this is a great example where your ears will lie to you. Yeah. Uh, in those kinds of situations, like your ears will prefer something that's a little bit louder. Louder. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just like the Pepsi taste test thing. Something that's sweeter, like Pepsi is sweeter than Coke, mm -hmm. will taste a lot better on a very small sample, but could make it feel pretty nauseated by Hard the end of the sample. bottle. <laughs> and that's just that's just uh, that's just the truth. Like I've seen demos of microphones and someone it was like, oh, which mic do you prefer? Mic A mm. or mic B? Guess what? They were the same mic when it's just louder mm. or when I had the gain so. turned up or something. Same thing. It's yeah. So that's yeah. pretty much kind of what I was thinking about it. Like, even if they w sounded exactly the same or not, like, that's the only thing in listening I could say if they did post-production, that's the only thing I, I could say. Like, other than that, it's still, at the end of the day, yeah, you make your choice. And if you want to spend that kind of money <laughs> on something like that, I mean, you do you, boo, but uh, not me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm never demoing another clone. I just don't particularly <laughs> like them. Um yeah, I find those hard it's to demo anyway. Just, I find them hard to demo because of uh, where they sit. They sit best in a mix, and I don't generally do full tracks. But there's uh, plenty of people who do if you prefer that kind of demo. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have much else to say about that one, frankly. Yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, at least the people that I was seeing on Discords talking about it, I mean, there's some people that had them in passing. They're like, yeah, I had it for a time, but, you know, I sold it and, you know, either I don't miss it or like, well, I wish I held on to it now because of the frenzy. <laughs> That's pretty much the mixed aspect I saw it, not obviously saying, oh, yeah, it has such great tone. <laughs> like, I did not, I didn't see any text written like that at all no it's just it's just people feel like it's market manipulation but the mm. thing is to be market manipulation truly josh would have had to have in advance bought a shit ton of them, of them and, and then slowly them be like seeding them out and <laughs> i just i think he's got better ways to make money <laughs> oh no he definitely does and he's really good at what he does uh so everyone who is selling one on reverb is like singing his praises right now i'm sure so <laughs> oh i'm sure i see other people saying oh is there any way someone could talk to him and tell him to like sell you know talk about x pedal for me next week and i'm just like and i of course i joke and it's like yeah i have a boomerang phaser like you know phaser three can he like hold one of those up next week because i'm selling hold it up, please, good. just hold just it up it. and just let your face next to it for me that'd be great do it josh do it do it josh you know for all the demo artists and youtube like guitar gear youtubers yeah. in the world he's obviously like the one who can manipulate the market the most if that's what he really wanted to do but yeah i you know i from everything i've heard about josh like he just really likes pedals like yeah I, I think again as someone who feels the same way yeah mm -hmm. i mean that's i definitely can relate to that yeah 
Well, before we get into our next topic, I would like to implore you to like, comment, and subscribe if you have not already. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a review and a rating. It really helps when people search for guitar podcasts in Apple Podcasts. If you're listening or watching on Spotify, hi. Hello. I don't know what else to say about you. Hey, what's up? <laughs> and uh, if you're on YouTube during the premiere, love and appreciate you all. These chats are one of the highlights <laughs> of my week. And if you are watching during the premiere, you can leave a super chat if you want uh, on YouTube. And if you're not, you can say thanks below um, if you feel so inclined. And if you want to give to the podcast on a regular basis, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash get offset for as little as $5 a month. Uh, you have access to our exclusive Discord server and can feed us ideas like this one. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, I mean, I always love talking to people, you know, on the Discord and everything throughout the years. And I've met the best people that way. Yeah, they're a really great group. Um, <laughs> you're a little bit more active than I am right now. I'm a little overwhelmed with life. <laughs> oh, no, I'm editing this week. And still I'm finding just certain moments for my brain to like catch a break because otherwise I'll stress myself out. And I'm like, okay, oh, uh, you know, uh, Philip from 41, you know, posted a thing today. Oh, awesome. I'll listen to that. But hey, you know, what's going on here? All right, back to work. <laughs> like, just here and there, little spurts. Yeah, no, no, that's that's Sanity. basically how Discord. That's what I like about Discord. Um, we Me used to have this big group chat going on, and it was uh, exhausting. Couldn't keep up yeah, with the big it. Facebook one. Yeah, no, I remember that. <laughs> the early days. Um, well, that's the big guitar controversy I felt like talking about this week. Uh, the other big controversy in music. It's it's a it's Ticketmaster again, guys. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. Ticketmaster's job is for people to be mad at them, so they're not mad at the people who are actually responsible for the fees. Oh, yeah. Deflect, you know. Hey, hey, guy, look over here. <laughs> like, don't look this way. Blame a big entity who, you know, for the record, uh, I think Ticketmaster is bad. I never, I think they never should have been allowed to merge with Live Nation. No. I do think that merger should be, uh, I think they should be forced to split up. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Um, but, uh, and I'm saying that knowing that by saying that I may lose future career opportunities. I have applied for jobs with, I've worked with AEG before I used to work. I interned with AEG and I would have worked for STG, uh, which is a live nation company if I could have, but I couldn't. Uh, but yeah, people are mad at Ticketmaster again. This time it's the cure that caused the ire of, um, well, the cure didn't cause the ire of many no, people, no. Yeah. but the process of buying the tickets did, namely the cure worked really hard to go against this trend of, uh, so some artists like Bruce Springsteen have done this kind of flex pricing where they're essentially trying to price out the secondary market by just charging a lot of money the first time. Couldn't see that one going wrong. Couldn't see back mm. any, that backfiring at all because their thought is surely if someone's getting that money, why not me? Tours are expensive, man. You have to pay uh, your agent, your manager, your tour manager. You have to pay. Yeah, everyone's got to get paid. All, you have to pay the whole crew. You have to pay your band, and you, as the artist, get paid last. That is just how it works. Um, 
So that's why sometimes, you know, people come out of tours not not really making any money. Uh, pretty famously, Prince's Love Sexy Tour in 88 was not profitable until the final leg in Japan because it was such an inexpensive tour and tickets were so reasonably priced. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's <laughs> didn't make a lot of money on that one. But, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people know how Ticketmaster works. Um, people just blame Ticketmaster and Ticketmaster alone. Um, and that's understandable. Uh, Ticketmaster as a company was started by a couple music fans and they just wanted to have a better way to buy tickets. Uh, then it was purchased by uh, another company. And this the similar thing happened. Um, let me see. Ticketmaster was founded by two college students in Phoenix, but sputtered until it was purchased by Hyatt Hotels mm-hmm. founder Jay Pritzker in 1982, uh, who in, uh, had a man uh, named Rosen. What is his first name? What is uh, Fred. Rosen's? Fred, Fred Rosen's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Fred Rosen was uh, appointed CEO. And after that, Ticketmaster really took off because they approached ticketing in a different way. Uh, instead of the, the concert goers being Ticketmaster's customer, mm-hmm. it was the venues, which is an interesting way to say this. Uh, the Ticketmaster pays venues sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars in advances for the right to um to do all the ticketing for exclusive ticketing for venues yeah so they're the only game in town yeah yeah and for a place like seattle where the for a long time the only big venue to play shows and probably still the only big indoor venue outside of the uh, climate pledge arena is the Tacoma Dome for which Ticketmaster pays, this is a 2017 article, I believe, $450,000 a year. And that's not the signing bonus that these venues get. So Ticketmaster pays a lot of money to these venues and has to get it back. And that's part of where the fees come from. Yep. And then the fees start, and then the video's like, well, I want some fees. So then you get some fees. The promoter's like, well, I want some fees. Promoters get some fees. And that snowballs into this drip pricing where, oh, tickets are $40. I really want to go. Your price gets doubled or more sometimes. And that's what Cure fans were complaining about is that the Cure works so hard to do this verified fan system to make sure. Yeah. And non-transferable tickets and things like that to prevent scalping and keep, and keep the prices low but then the, these fees were doubling the price of the tickets and they're hidden yep. at the end and they seem to have nothing to do with the cost of the ticket. There's no consistency. Mm-hmm. If these are actually fees created for certain purposes like maintenance or if you want to charge for convenience or employees and shit like that, then why isn't this, why is it not the same for every ticket? Why is it literally like, let me pull up this tickets, Taylor Swift ticket. I yeah, saw. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was going to ask you because I was seeing the two different tickets and two different prices had two different, uh, costs as far mm-hmm. as fees, depending on what the actual final total price was reflected. Yeah. So these are two Taylor Swift tickets in different stadiums. They're different sections. 
the 100 section that's the closer to the floor um tickets were $265 a piece and then you had section 300 so that's probably in the rafters for $109 a piece so one and a half x you would think the fees would either be exactly the same or one and a half x no the order processing fee yes that is five dollars each time the facility charge for the more expensive tickets is eight dollars for the cheaper tickets it's five and here's where it gets Mm. bananas for the lower level seats there's a service fee which is a mystery there's yes. no transparency on what that is. Mm-hmm. $70.45 for the low bowl for the rafters, twenty three twenty. Yeah, I thought that was wild. The fact that it was so drastically different given the location, not a stable price of fees. Where you're located, you're getting hit with a tax, a fee tax, big heavy one. Mm-hmm. And these are separate venues. Yeah. So I don't know if you bought the floor tickets at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. God, what a terrible name for a stadium. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it would have been less. Um, and I don't know if the Rafters would have been more in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. But regardless, this is the same tour. Mm-hmm. And just it, it, like even if it is by venue, these are so different. These are all Ticketmaster. They're all Live Nation. Actually, I don't know if Taylor Swift worked with AEG. I know she tried to. Well, but this it's, one's it's a, wild. Yeah, it says basically t- uh, Ticketmaster receipts. So this looks like it's Ticketmaster. Yeah, and Ticketmaster often has exclusivity that they very rarely waive. But um, mm-hmm. the way that's often worked is that if you don't use Ticketmaster, they will for lack of a better word, threaten you and say, well, then you just might not get these Ticketmaster yeah, exclusive and shows. These Live Nation shows are pretty good. We got some big acts, and I AEG can book shows at Live Nation venues for sure. But then they can't mm-hmm. use their AXS ticketing system, which I find to be better than Ticketmaster by, you know, a hair. It's no Eventbrite, but it's it's wild. Ticket buyers in the mid seventies paid a servant service charge of less than a dollar per ticket, usually like fifty cents, seventy five cents, and then venues that partnered with Ticketron, that's who you used to call to get tickets or line uh, up. Yes. Twenty five they paid ticket they paid the venues paid Ticketron back then for the service. So now yeah, Ticketmaster pays Yeah, so now Ticketmaster pays venues and then they all get a little yeah. piece of the pie. It's it's wild. In nineteen eighty two Ticketmaster sold a million dollars in tickets and by nineteen 19- 90 wait oh yeah the first time in 1980 the first year in 1982 it was a million in 1990 it was 600 million and it was 2.5 billion dollars by 1988 and this is what happens when people who own hotels and use car dealerships get into the music industry which wasn't always treated super duper like a real business for a long time and clear channel was started by used car salesmen (laughs) and they and they decided to make radio as a way to you know you play songs to make money from the ads it's not about music it's just literally not no they just saw people not running businesses like businesses 
and decided to run them like businesses and screw everybody. And pretty much. I mean, you think about when you're talking about uh, when you had to call and phone in, like for if you had to go to the mo- like movie phone, which also Ticketmaster aggressiveness and undercutting movie phone, of course, at the time frame when they were selling tickets by phone is obviously, again, Ticketmaster has had a history of pretty much trying to be the only dog in the fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they want a monopoly. They kind of have a bit of a vertical one right yes. now. I'm seeing some other tickets in here. Metallica World Tour next to a Black Eyed Keys, Black Keys, Black Eyed Keys, Black Keys Tour. <laughs> Both had uh, base tickets of $135 and they bought four of them. You know, these are literally the same seats. Oh my God. How'd they get that? So that's why it didn't make sense. One has, yeah, and one has a ticket total of $540 while the other one was $158 because the black eyed Pete <laughs> the black keys <laughs> the Don't black keys up. had way cheaper way cheaper essentially no fees uh, so oh my god that's actually wait that's even before fees hold on I'm not understanding this this math at all but the metallica tickets actually ended up being 700 dollars in the black keys 235 dollars. the metallica show had a five dollar order processing fee keys had five dollars 36 cents the facility charge for metallica was ten dollars the charge for the keys was 17 ish and then the service fee for metallica was almost 30 dollars a ticket and the keys it just had tax at a dollar and twenty three cents. That's so stark. How much fees make a difference in yeah. in the pricing? No, it, but, it's yeah. it's it's wild. And even like an article that was talking about the whole thing with Pearl Jam back in the day when they tried to take on Ticketmaster. Um, I thought it was really funny in the article because, of course, it's the big bad being Ticketmaster. But in the article at the time, which this is, you know, decades in the past, is saying, yeah, Ticketmaster, you know, may have some trouble, like, recovering from this bad publicity. I'm like, nah, they're fine. <laughs> they're doing now we really don't have a choice. No. <laughs> no. No, it's like, oh, we heard that some iPhones overheat and the battery expands and it explodes people aren't going to stop buying iphones because of no because <laughs> you don't have a choice like no you can go with an android phone the illusion yeah yeah you can go with an android phone and completely change your whole workflow and uh I, some people if you like android you like android that's awesome i've always i've had iphones since i was 19 i don't know what it would take me to move from an iphone but it, I, I, I assure you, it would be a lot, and I don't particularly oh like iPhones. It's just, yeah. it's like this is either you go to the show or you don't go to the show. Of course. Are you just not going to go to the show? Not going to support the artists that you want to see? No, of course you're not. <sighs> but Ticketmaster's no. not the only bad actor here. You have to also blame the venues. Mm-hmm. And to an extent, you have to b- blame the promoters because in music, everything's negotiable. And this Black Keys ticket shows that there have been promoters who are able, who have the 
the uh the 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 ability and the pool to change these fees oh they have they have the capacity to do that for sure yeah they're just don't want to <laughs> no but let's 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 talk about the venues that are then also turning around and demanding 20 to 25 percent of artist merch wow and that's... that's normal in this business to the point where it's like there are artists asking venues to uh, sign that uh, a pledge to no longer take merch cuts from artists when I heard like that was a thing, I thought it was small, but no, it's it's a huge percentage. Uh, it's it's why merch at concerts is often more expensive than buying it online. Yeah, and they are they will make you count everything. They'll make you count in. They'll make you count Jesus. out to make sure you're not stealing from them. It's like they're counting cups for the bar sales to make sure they're not that people aren't walking away with free beers. It's it's just yes. how this industry is. And uh, it would be awesome to if people had who had more pool like Taylor Swift did more to to change it. And I think, you mm. know, Robert Smith from The Cure, obviously infuriated about what's been. Oh happening. yeah, he's he's been commenting about it online, and he's like, I'm working to solve this. I'll let you know, obviously, as soon as I know any more details. But you know. He's calling mm -hmm. them out and going to try to see if anything can be obviously solved. Don't oh, know if he'll be able to, but he yeah. was. I can oh. tell you already as of an Update. hour ago. Oh, shit. After further conversation, Ticketmaster have agreed with us that many of the fees being charged are unduly high. And as a gesture of goodwill, have offered $10 per ticket refund to all verified fan accounts for lowest ticket price LTP transactions. I am not fully sure what that means i don't know what the ltp thing was i have not done this fan verified thing for any mm -hmm. show ever um but also so let me see cool. and a five dollar per ticket refund to all verified fan accounts for all other ticket price transactions for all cure shows at all venues if you already bought a ticket you will get an automatic refund tickets sold tomorrow will incur lower fees wow good job that's amazing and that it was that fast that fast. shows that exactly how unnecessary it is yeah and, and how unnecessary these fees are like you can't be like it's come on airlines it's like fat cat forced, syndrome yeah i mean airlines were forced to do all-in pricing years ago and uh because you don't want those surprises on your airline tickets no and I know some sites like StubHub have experimented with all-in pricing, and they found that most people don't want to search by that. I've actually asked them about it. <laughs> and they said, uh, in our experience, most people did not like or use that feature. And mm. uh, personally, I don't want all the fees and stuff to be baked into the ticket price. Because I need, I want, I want there to be more transparency yeah. about what's the artist getting and what's the venue and what are the venue and the Ticketmaster trying to milk out of us. Exactly. Yeah. But I highly recommend reading the book, The Ticketmasters. It talks about the uh, early days of Ticketmaster and how it became this thing we all love to hate. And <laughs> they are, have, they are yeah. so fine being a scapegoat, dude. They, they don't care. No, they just shrug. They're like, yeah, we're the bad guys. Yeah, oh. yeah sure. <laughs> you still need tickets, right? Yeah, next yeah. Friday, right? <laughs> it's 
a lot easier to blame one organization than yeah. uh, the system. <laughs> and it no, really is the system is what's the problem here. No, exactly. And again, like when the ticket sales went off of the cure thing, I was just like, oh, you know, obviously it's a biological system. I didn't know obviously whether I would or wouldn't. Um, but again, I was I'm still kind of worried about in August uh, there's in Tampa. Uh, I think it's Tampa. Uh, the ghost is coming back through and they're going to do the showdown. Then I was just like, can I, you know, can I go to this one? Will I be able to afford to go to this one is the thing. I still don't know. I haven't checked, but I was just like, I have this fear of like, uh, I really hope they're not so expensive that like, it just prices me out completely. I've just stopped going to big shows. Like, I think I saw Beyonce in a stadium. I saw Adele, but like, no, I don't if a band I like it's big enough that they're playing arenas, I'm yeah. I'm just not gonna keep seeing them. I just don't I don't enjoy that experience. I think the sound is often really bad at them. I remember it's seeing not, um, yeah, that great. Yeah, I remember seeing Bob, Bob, Bob Dylan at some like big kind of mm -hmm. arena, like this kind of place that has like tractor pools and uh, oh stuff like that but he played there because you could do really cheap student tickets and they would accommodate that okay so yeah. i saw bob dylan for 20 10 or 20 bucks it was awful it was oh. it was just awful i could not tell what songs were being played this the acoustics in that uh. space were made for they're they're made for monster truck rallies they're not yeah. made for, for music they're made for the yeah. circus that's horrible. Yeah, I had a similar... It's not a large venue, but at least around here, it's one of the venues you can go to see either indie or, like, not R&B or hip-hop because that or DJ, you know, EDM. It's mostly Miami. So to see any kind of offshoot of anything else, there's, uh, you know, the, the Fillmore that's down here. And uh, Fleet Foxes came in, and I was super excited because, you know, I, I did like, you know their album, their music, and going there, the sound was so bad, I couldn't hear anything he was singing, and I just, walking out, it was just like, oh, that was just like probably the worst experience. I don't hate Flea Foxes anymore, but I was just like, oh, I really wanted to feel like I was immersed in their sound. I could hear a voice and everything, but yeah, it was just a whole bunch of like, a vacuum of like sound of mud like you couldn't hear anything and it was just like certain venues it's just like yeah just yeah. the sound just destroys it they don't do and it gotta, well. and i gotta imagine they're not one of those bands that's gonna make it up to you with like no <laughs> a really cool setup and like projection mapping or something like it's not gonna be an immersive experience it's no just, just the show in the arena that's it that's it uh i don't know if how many listeners know Tyler Mahan Co? He has a, two very popular podcasts. One is called Cocaine and Rhinestones, and one is called Your Favorite Band Sucks. He's very smart, very knows a lot about the industry. And he's been tweeting about this a lot today, which is kind of mm. one of the reasons I want to talk about it. Okay. But he's talking like talking about how like uh Irving Azoff is just a fucking genius in the music industry. Uh the 1970s is when Irving Azoff began a no negotiating for his artists to be guaranteed more than 100% of the door and just quick departure. For big bands who get guarantees, your guarantee is generally the cost of the ticket price times the capacity of the venue, assuming a sellout. And if it's very far away from that, you will need to either re renegotiate that or likely cancel. Um but uh, guaranteed more than 100% of the door because of how much the venue would make on drinks, parking, etc. So if you paid 7 bucks to see the Eagles 
The band probably got $9, and major artists are still doing this. After those 100% plus guarantees became standard at the top, venues came back to the table with, okay, since you're essentially participating in parking and beer, we need to cut the merch. Then that became standard, and now bands touring and fans have to give up 20% for no reason. And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, Irving, genius, obviously, as Tyler points out, probably 85% of the reason everything is the way that it is today, because he was quite a great business person. Tyler goes on to say, economists are technically correct when they argue that the true value of a ticket is what the fans are willing to pay for it. However, it is extremely obvious that fans don't understand who they are paying for it. And knowing that Drake wants a thousand dollars for a ticket may affect their willingness to pay that much. The mm -hmm. argument Azoff used to get over a hundred percent of the door guarantees that venues and promoters only make their money if a crowd shows up to see the artist is still true and is exactly why it is ultimately major artists who are in a position to change this industry and they're not doing it. No. No. When, yeah. when when Pearl Jam took on Ticketmaster, started taking on Ticketmaster, yeah, they had some hit songs, but they weren't the biggest, one of the biggest rock bands in the world like they are right now. Just I mean, saying, just I mean saying. you can understand what Eddie Vedder is singing. I mean. <laughs> oh, God. You little yellow lot better. <laughs> it's obvious he's saying, yeah, Brian. I, I got <laughs> oh, God. That was... So that's that's a topic for another episode. But <laughs> what was that affectation called? Like that that like butt rock nineties affectation that like the blowfish too. <laughs> yeah, what was that called? Like the singing with like the weird jowls of your mouth. Yeah. The singing for the front of your mouth is so weird. I don't understand it either. But yeah, it, it was but definitely what? kind of a style. But what was it called? Because if anybody mm -hmm. knows, please let me know in the comments what that style of singing was called. Because now we have a new annoying affectation called Cursive Singing. And I listened to the worst cover I've ever heard of the song Torn by Edna Swap, made famous by Natalie and Brugula. Oh, no. And it's just like this, it's like this singing. And I'm like, oh, does, is he from somewhere? Does he have an accent? Because Regina Spector kind of sang like that, but she has an accent. Yeah, no, this guy doesn't doesn't have an accent just he's just singing like this i just i really <laughs> hate it i i'm not usually i feel like old man yells at cloud a little bit <laughs> it kind of kinda was yeah i was kind of getting that visualization i was like it's okay though i on certain things i also stop and contemplate am i yelling at clouds right now is this yeah. is is this my moment <laughs> it's one of the joys of getting older but uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, God, this whole... So I want to drop some hat tips uh, in this episode, obviously. Uh, Tyler Mahan Co., who I just mentioned. Um, the Ticketmaster's book that I was given to read when I started working for a ticketing company. Thehustle.co, their article, The Sneaky Economics of Ticketmaster, is excellent. Um, and Seattle Weekly's Pearl Jam versus Ticketmaster... Uh, is yep. a from by Fred Moody from 2017. Let me see if that hustle article has a byline. Mark Dent uh, was the hustle. Fred Moody is the Seattle Weekly, just Seattle Weekly, and uh, it's a big article about Ticket uh, Master versus Pearl Jam. Yeah, I was 
looking through that one beforehand. Yeah, that's a lot of words. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I remember. Yeah. So, and then you look at some of these fees and you're like, God, that was, that was lower that was lower yeah. than like you know it was and we, we were complaining then about it <laughs> we were that's because you went from 50 cents to five dollars very quickly and now we're at forty dollars forty dollars or six they're just i'm sure they've done lots of market research and studies to say at what point will people say fuck you and leave oh of course and when it's like Taylor Swift, that number that number is going to be pretty high. Like, especially artists who like have younger fans whose parents are buying them tickets. Like, how no, fucking devastated yeah. is your kid going to be if you don't take them to Taylor Swift? Especially if they're a generation that's in their teens. Yeah, at the time, yeah, they're definitely going to use the whole black male of "I'm going to have a meltdown if you don't get me these tickets." <laughs> yeah, it's like who's hot and pop right now, and who's yeah. nostalgic with people who have money right now like the backstreet boys yeah and that's that's some of the things that i guess over the last year or so when i was thinking about the pandemic and all these shows coming back and who obviously had money coming out of the pandemic and who did not i feel like these concerts now with all the fees and everything are at a price point of these shows are only made for it feels like the haves versus the have-nots are not allowed to come to shows anymore yeah and i think that's having some effects on uh just who's consuming music i think that's probably part of the reason video games are really trouncing music in popularity as far as the disposable income of teenagers because if you're a teenager like using the spotify subscription and your parents have one and you share it with them yeah you don't need to go to the shows if you really love music you're probably doing diy stuff so at least there's like that scene that has always existed. But um, yeah, you can po- pay 60 bucks for a Pokemon game and get literally hundreds of hours of enjoyment out of it. Or you can pay 120 bucks and take your friend to see uh, a band with you like once. once and are yeah, you making like a, maybe an hour? And would I would I would I say I think that amount of money is worth it? I I personally do. I think it's worth it to go out and have experiences with people. Yeah. No, I I agree. I do love the times that I've had great experiences going to live shows. Oh, I love them. They're worth every penny. But yeah, that's it's the what's it to you? You know, as far as the cost yeah. investment of it. I mean, I'm a person who pays a couple hundred bucks a few times a year plus hotels to see the hold steady. Like, I'll, I, I'm probably gonna have to like pull in the reins on that a little bit. Uh, I love that band. I'm gonna see them in um, April. I just saw them in December, and I'm probably going to fly out to see them at least one other time this year because I love that band. I love the experiences, the people you meet, the memories you make. Like, I don't have a lot of times in video games where I'm like, oh yeah, I remember when that happened. <laughs> no. Not really. I do. <laughs> That's I do. me though. Well, I do. Last night in Pokemon Go, I caught a 100% IV shiny Ho-Oh. Perfect. Perfect. That was amazing. I, I named it Psilocybin. <laughs> that was hilarious. Oh, you saw that? That was hilarious. No, there was a few times that uh, uh, Carlos has been online and he's laughed at the names that you've put, <laughs> you've put 
Pokemon on the Pokemon that are with it. He's like, oh my God, she just named it this. And like, we laugh. <laughs> Will Butrin XL? Yes. It was just Will Butrin before, but then it was Will Butrin XL like later. And I was like, oh, she's upping it. <laughs> well, 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 Butrin was a two star shiny ho Well, Butrin XL is a three star shiny ho Exactly. And Psylocybin is a perfect shiny Nice. Oh. That looks People good. People are like, what the fuck is that? Um, but to get back to it, uh, <laughs> the, I also saw another study that said like teenagers are hanging out with their peers in person a lot less. And the most common and I think correct take on this is where are they supposed to go? There aren't yeah. malls. They can't afford no, to go to concerts. Yeah. No. Where are the, where are, like, what can a teen do after I, like god i guess at any point like after dark like after the parks close where can they go where they're not yeah. expected where there's no expectation of them spending money but they can still have this feeling of independence away from parents like no wh- and, like yeah. people aren't partying in the woods anymore thank god oh god yeah uh but yeah that's again like my generation we still had that before internet of the outside play and the inside, which again, like I still obviously think of those times with nostalgia and I miss those times. And I wish these kids had that to be honest, but I know this whole generations after me, it's more the, here's an iPad, you know, leave me alone. Or it's just like, they don't have these spaces to go again, to be independent. And there's these instances of also parents trying to control all aspects of their life so it's mm-hmm. if you have nowhere to go then you're always in the presence of you know the inability to be independent and I know that could make teens more angry and angusty than they already typically are but they do I need places depressed. to go yeah they're they are depressed. they're either either depressed anxious or even more angrier than previous generations and i don't fault them at all let them go outside let them do things give them the tools to do things rather than you know just putting them in a corner and say okay be quiet you know let let us do our thing you know like they're working their parents are working like three four jobs i mean it's very hard yeah. to manage a kid these days so yeah it's, it's hard to, i don't it's hard yeah, to be it, a kid it's both. It's very hard to be a parent and it's very hard to be a kid right now all around. So it's like, yeah, how do it just like what we were talking about earlier, like with ticket max or whatever. And it's like, how do you solve such things? Like it's very yeah. indicative of the system. I mean, it's you, a lot of things. You, you got to give kids places to go. They can afford. When I was growing up, I had a season pass for uh, a theme park. And before you say that sounds luxurious, uh, it paid for itself after two trips. It was King's Island. It's not the fanciest theme park in the world, though it's very nice. So our parents would just drop us off in the summer and we'd walk to the park. We'd have fun. And then they'd pick us up after the fireworks or whatever. Yeah, and there's. That was, we didn't have to pay money after we went. If we wanted soda or something, yeah, we, we would do that. But like, we could ride rides for free. Um, in Nashville, there was, a, I don't know if it's still there, but there was a place called Rocket Town that was kind of an all ages venue. I will say most all ages venues really do seem to be religiously affiliated. Mm-hmm. That stresses me out because, yeah. in, especially in Seattle, there in were places like that that turned out to be kind of um, cult of personality, Mark Driscoll stuff. Yes. I don't think there was a problem in Nashville, but I do think there's a reason that all ages venues tend to be religiously affiliated. And it's that they don't need to sell alcohol to make money. <laughs> because you can't sell alcohol at all ages venues. 
Well, you can, but yeah. it's a bad idea. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you should ever create an environment that has grown adults drinking alcohol next Around. to literal minors. Yeah, it's not not a good situation, especially if you know adults have too much to drink and yeah, predators. Uh, violence the, you name it yeah i think i think the predator the predatory thing is what wigs me out the most but uh mm-hmm. like a 30 year old man offering alcohol oh, to yeah. a 15 year old yeah bad idea but uh a good idea is uh watching this podcast which you're probably doing right now or you're listening to it thank you for making the decision to listen to slash watch get offset I've already done the spiels. You you have you have done the spiels, but uh, you know it, it doesn't doesn't hurt to say again our thank yous, our gratefulness that you're here with us and uh, every week, and uh, we get to talk about gear, share that with you either on socials and discords and everything, and it really is great to be able to talk about passions and things that we love and connect with people that are like us too and that's you know kind of fabric or glue i think of music and art in general and it's a great thing yeah it's easy to feel very siloed in today's world Hmm. and uh things like this i think make it a little bit easier so yeah joe i don't know if there's anything else you wanted to share i did kind of talk a lot this one but it is a podcast um i didn't really have i guess anything lined up um as far as like a topic to talk about um but you know apart from that i think we kind of covered you know the things that are going on the last couple of days awesome cool well again that book i recommended was Ticketmaster's the rise of the concert industry and how the public got scalped by dean budnick and josh barron once again the hustle.co article by mark dent the sneaky economics of Ticketmaster and uh, the Seattle Weekly article I also mentioned. Um, I will try to remember to put links to those in the video description slash <laughs> show notes. Sorry in advance if I didn't. And uh, then Tyler Mahanko's Twitter, which you just look him up, man. Whatever. Of course. Uh, wait, I'm trying to. I think the only other thing I guess that I could mention that happened uh, in the last couple of days is that. Uh, Pedal Playhouse was featured on guitar.com. Oh my God. I was going <laughs> to, yes, I was going to shout all that. So Joe, Joe's had a great week. Joe's been in guitar.com yes. and that's a real ass interview. That wasn't some like, here's a Google form with stock questions answered. That was a real interview. No. Yeah. Like I was, and I wasn't really telling anyone that I had talked to someone because you know how in most of your life like you're always like you're like yeah this is happening and then things don't happen and then I'm like oh and then I look like an asshole <laughs> so yep. I was just like I kind of kept it close to my chest and kind of was hoping the whole time that it would happen but I deeply appreciate how uh Killian uh written you know wrote the interview obviously with him we had over zoom in early January um really great person to talk to and yeah he pretty much um, I think captured the best representation um, of not only myself, um, obviously how everything came to be, but also just kind of the way I approach not only just music and the art form of doing all this stuff of the animation and pedal playhouse and everything. But I think also, I think he was really good at capturing 
how I feel in general about how music and how we're inspired by other creators and how it's kind of a way that causes good ripples all around because then whatever you're inspired by, then you go and do the thing. And I think it's really mm -hmm. great. Yeah. And not only that, you hit a thousand subscribers on YouTube for Pedal Playhouse. That's fucking awesome. Uh, and Get Offset hit a hundred thousand downloads. The same and day. I thought it was so great. Yeah. <laughs> and working class music surpassed Get Offset and subscribers. Congratulations to working Congrats. class music for that. I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> Congratulations to Jason, Tia, and uh, who's Lance, by the way? <laughs> Lance and Xander. Lance and Xander? Lance and Xander. I think there's four. I think there's four total. Nelson. Nelson. Oh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, no. <laughs> there goes Damn my it. theory. Yeah. He's he, Nelson's on camera the least, I think. But uh, it's okay. <laughs> we were wondering. Uh, oh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> my, I'm sorry. My, my my brain's bad sometimes. I apologize. Now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna feel bad. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Uh, huh. Well, <laughs> can I ask you a quick question? <laughs> Did you hear an echo during this episode of the podcast? I don't think so okay great because my monitors were definitely on for it oh at at the at the very beginning i saw mine was and i turned them off <laughs> the very beginning Oops. not the first time i've done that won't be the last everybody out there thanks for watching <laughs> slash listening um thanks for understanding <laughs> until next time my name is emily i'm joan of heart i think bye <laughs> be seeing you